0: is dog pod. This is Sophie from So Help Me Dog.
1: And Ian from Bondi Barrest.
0: And welcome to episode one.
1: Ooh, this is, um, yeah, like we say, the healthy dog pod. This is something me and you have been working on since the beginning of the year. Yeah. And um, something we both actually wanted to do. We thought, you know, we see a lot of people, we see a lot of, um, we work with a lot of vets, a lot of dog, dog groomers, dog walkers, and really wanted to just, gives um, the, op- the public an opportunity to hear some free information that can really help them with their pet dogs.
0: Yeah, I think Dr. Google out there has um, a lot of different opinions. <laughs> lots
1: and lots of information out there, very hard to filter through it. And you know what we're adding to that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, but the information that we've collected is from a variety of different people and vets and
1: it's up to uh up to speed with the like latest information out there you know we try and keep up with our education we try not to um you know we try to take a a wide range of opinions on board yeah and really measure what we're saying and at the end of the day this is why we're bringing lots of guests in as well
0: yeah, exactly. Which we have some super exciting people coming in. That's so right. In the first,
1: awesome. uh, in the first few weeks, it'll be mainly me and you just discussing what we are and who we, what we are and who we do. No, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> who we are and what we do. Yeah, and right. um, <laughs> and um, after that, we're going to be bringing in um, some vets. I know that we've got some uh, close vets that we work both work with. natural vet care aussie mobile vet will be coming in and um not to mention many more after that you know and and not as well as rescue groups we'll be getting lots of rescue groups in the future as well which will be really interesting to get their opinion
0: really exciting so we can't wait for you guys to hear it and we'd love your opinion as well so let us know what you think of these episodes and if you have any questions and anything that you want us to cover we'll that's it
1: each week we'll be releasing it on um different channels But um, our social media, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to give everybody feedback and create a discussion around our discussion.
0: Yes, I like that.
1: (laughs) Today's episode, guys, what we're going to be talking about is us. Just a quick intro about who we are, why we're here, why you should or shouldn't listen (laughs) to us. Up to you at the end of the day. But um, we hope you do. Yeah. So let's start with Soph um tell Hi. us a little bit about yourself who you are and what you do <laughs> got it right that time
0: so from the start from the top
1: well, No, start at the end and work backwards if you want
0: <laughs> yeah this is our dance. um you'll get a lot of this during all the episodes um all right well i'll start from the start how I pretty much got started with um dogs or animals in general um I'm trying to think back, and I think when I was younger, my one of my older cousins was studying to be a vet, and we used to hang out a lot. So my grandparents had a farm down um in Timboon, if anyone knows what that is, which is um in Victoria near Warrnambool.
1: Everybody get Google Maps out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a little country town. Um, and me and him used to hang out a lot, and he was studying to be a vet. Um, and we'd always, you know, go to the farm and look at the animals and hang around the dogs and, um, all the other other animals that were there, birds and everything like that. And, um, then I realized that you had to get 99.9 or something like that to be a vet. And I thought, yeah, it's not I happening. actually get to
1: know Sophie then we'll realize that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> nor was I?
0: <laughs> no, I know. And I... I take full credit for that. I knew that was not going to happen. Um, but uh, the other thing that I used to do as well is uh, we used to have a little beagle called Bomber after um, the Essendon Bombers, uh, AFL football team. And... Um, and what we used to do with him in the backyard is um have you watched Crofts before you would have it's in english yeah it's like an agility sort of it's show dogs dogs. yeah show dogs
1: agility is a really big part of that as well yeah
0: yeah so um i think it was at my grandma's we used to watch it on tv and uh in the backyard (laughs) i used to set up (laughs) brooms and then like, you know the stick one where they like weave in and out yeah, yeah, of the sticks? Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> get
1: the, so broomsticks set up in the garden. Yeah. And you are trying to get the dogs to weave to in and weave out.
0: To weave in and out. And like he was a beagle. And he was pretty fat. Thinking of it now. Pretty wide sticks. Yeah. <laughs> but we used to time him. Me and my little sister, we used to stand there and like time him and be like, nah, no, Bomber, you gotta get a better time. Like twenty five seconds, it's not you're not gonna make it into cross. Twenty three sticks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd get food at the end, so you know that was very motivating for him. But sometimes we'd get we'd have to get him to do it again because he'd miss the jumps or <laughs> like not weave properly. I love
1: the way you're thinking, Bomber missed the jumps, <laughs> like not you. <laughs> no, no, I know no responsibility right? yourself.
0: I know. Um, and then from there, we had a variety of dogs at home. So we had a blue heeler called Bessie, then Bomber the beagle, and then we had a rescue called Shadow. Um, me and Shadow had a really good relationship um, and he was called Shadow because he looked like he had eye shadow on his eyelids. <laughs> um, but I would honestly, you'd find me in the backyard hanging out with him
1: all the You're time. You're in the backyard hanging out with your own shadow?
0: Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the ball today. Um, <clears throat> so me and Shadow used to hang out heaps and then unfortunately a very sad thing happened. He was staying at my aunties and um, she left She opened the garage door and he ran. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, um, that was very devastating. Um, So, that was kind of the first dog where... Sorry, I had him before Bomber. But that was kind of the first dog where I had to deal with not having him anymore, which was pretty upsetting. Um, And then I got into uh, medical research um, in Melbourne. And then my partner got a job in Sydney as an architect. So he flew to Sydney and I was like, all right, I'll come. And I wasn't a very big person who liked change either. So I was like, well, Sydney, like I don't even know anyone here.
1: Go back, go back to the one thing you loved in life, dogs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I moved to Sydney, um, decided, hey, let's start afresh. I've always, you know, wanted to try and work with dogs somehow. Um so um oh no I missed the thing. I used to work at Customs in the breeding facility in Melbourne. Oh
1: yeah, before yeah. you moved to Sydney.
0: Before I moved to Sydney. Um so that was kind of the big thing where I really wanted to stay there but so many people in that industry had been there for 30 years and there was nowhere for me to sort of get No progression. In. Yeah. And I would speak to them and be like, how did you get in? Like, how are you still here? And they would be like, no one leaves. Everyone pops <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Sounds very Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I was like, okay. Um, so, that was really, really fun. I had some um, really good times and learned a lot about um, dogs there. So, they were all Labradors. Um, and they are all lovely. And we even got a um, Labrador ourselves as... Uh, so, you bring them up as a puppy. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, we had um, Blaze, her name was. And she was like a white, sort of like... Not that goldy color, the white color, um, Labrador. And she was beautiful. She failed, though, her customs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another bomber. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, she and Bomber, we... We so if they fail their customs, you get an option to keep them if you fostered them. Um, but Bomber was kind of like, uh, yeah, no, he was like ten and she was one. I've already taught like, you everything. I, everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so he was like ten and she was one, and Mum's like, it's not fair to have her around Bomber. Like she annoys him sometimes, um, and he had arthritis, so he couldn't run around either with her, and she would. She's in a Labrador. She'll
1: probably get it in two years
0: anyway. <laughs> well, she didn't. Anyway, I don't know where she is now, but she was beautiful. Um, so yeah, that sort of got me into the industry, being like, "Wow, this is like what I want to do." So when I moved to Sydney, I started afresh, did the National Dog Training Federation course. Um, I think that was in 2015, and I remember on the second day, I called my mum and I was crying. And I said, mom, this is what I'm meant to do. Like Because I think when I finished year 12, I took a gap year. And there was just this whole year. And I still had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I went and saw people. Um, what do you call them when you go and see someone to like a careers? Careers advisor. Careers advisor, yeah. No idea. Like they couldn't even give me an option. Because I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, so I was like. Started fresh, study this course, called my mum, cried to her and was like, this is what i meant to do. Um, and then I kind of jumped headfirst into the industry, um, which was difficult, but I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it.
1: What do you mean? You set up your own business straight away?
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, I was kind of working between jobs and um, I set it up. But I also spoke to a heap of trainers and a heap of um other people out there and I started off with walking. Um and This is all in
1: this is all in Sydney, right? <coughs> so you've moved to Sydney, you've you've set up your company and
0: just moved in with my partner. Brilliant. Just moved States.
1: Was that the first time you two moved in together? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so it was full and we just sold our um childhood house too. So I just moved out of home for the first time, Yeah, moved to Sydney, moved in with my partner, moved to a different state, started a new job. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And, you know, did not bite off more than you could chew at all. To no, no. be fair, you didn't. Still, still chewing, but it's all right.
0: It's just so funny how I was this person who didn't like change and then I just went, okay, boom, change, um, which was really difficult. But uh, I remember I had one dog for three months so i'd walk him every day for three months and Who you know boris oh yeah yeah i still have boris today yeah a legend um he is a legend um so i had him for three months and i thought what the hell am i doing i have no idea how like how do people do this this is so difficult like how do you build a reputation how do you um get people to trust you like it, it's so hard to make that first step and i think I always think back to my motto if it was easy, then everyone would do it. So, um, my partner's very supportive of me, and he was like, keep. I love these moments when you
1: realize your best, one of your best mates has got a motto. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, that's great. It's in my house. I love it. It's great. It's
0: in my house, in my kitchen. I did not. On I'm a board.
1: Not, I've not seen that yet.
0: That's mm. my motto. If it was easy, everyone would do it.
1: I am going to tamper with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so i slowly built up but it took a few years and like it's a lot of hard work running your own business and i remember calling my dad because he's run his own plumbing business for about 30 years i was like dad what the hell do i do (laughs) like
1: that's a good person to fall back on
0: yeah exactly and like he was just saying you know how it was hard for him in the first few years as well and Um, just building up and getting like clientele and getting referrals and everything like that. Um, But then I started reaching out to different trainers. Like I sat in on a few puppy schools. I spoke to a few trainers from NDTF course um, and also other people that have started their own business as well. And I think that's the most important thing to do is networking out there. And I sort of thought when I first started, people would be like, get out of my area. Like, why are you here? We don't need another dog trainer. And then um, Becky from Pawsome actually reached out to me. I liked some netball post or something. And she was like, hey, I see you're a dog walker. Let's go for a walk together. And I was so nervous because I didn't know if she would be like, I'd go for the walk and she'd be like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Turf wars. (laughs) Total opposite. She is. The best. Love, Becky. Um, and then I just said, you know, I want to get into more training, but I don't really know what the next steps are. And then she said, oh, reach out to Ian from Bondi Behaviorist. And I was from Bondi. Oh, not from Bondi. lived in Bondi. And I thought, Bondi Behaviorist? Like, oh, my God, he's going to be like, go away. Um, I don't know why <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. everyone was against me. <laughs> but, um, Yeah, so I reached out to Ian. And I remember emailing you and just being like, hey, like... I don't really know what I said But let's meet up for a coffee So we met up for a coffee And um, Four hours later we ended up at the pub And (laughs) still (laughs) drinking And talking about (laughs) dogs Um, And then Pretty much now We are here And you've really taken me under your wing Mentored me um, And also introduced me to other Trainers and walkers in the area as well and there's a really nice community out there that we have at the moment with everyone, you know, be able to refer to people that we trust. Um, because in the end, it's an unregulated industry. And there's so many people that can call themselves a dog trainer or dog walker, but they actually don't have the skill set to be doing that job. So
1: it's true. Yeah. Um, and that's it. We've, we have got a nice support network these days. Um, I remember one of my mentors years ago um she jokingly but not that jokingly said there's only one thing that two dog trainers are going to agree on is that the third one's wrong um so we can't wait for all that feedback um <laughs> but um now we know it's coming but you know it but it, we have got a lovely support group um and yeah. we've got a really nice group of friends you know um within the industry are the trainers we, tra- we lean on each other we know that we've got different strengths and weaknesses and you know, and different perspectives. Well, a lot of us are all self-employed as well, yeah. so, we, so we do not just lean on each other for advice with dogs, but within you know how to run a bloody business. We yeah, did, we got into this because we like dogs. Yeah, oh, exactly. Shit, running a company,
0: and but, even like other services too. Like we all provide different services as well. So if I get, for example, a dog that has aggression issues, I'm not at that moment yet where I. Know exactly what to do with that, so I'll refer to you. Mm, you yeah. know, um, we have other walkers out there who do off lead groups, but yeah. sometimes that doesn't work. So they'll say, Hey, Sophie, like you do individual walks, yeah, I'm do referring some walk- training
1: walks, and yeah, and we don't really do off leash walking that much, so we can refer to them. You know, if the yeah. dog's in a good place and ready for that, then fantastic, go for your life. And
0: I think that's so important because it shows that. We actually care about the dogs. We actually care about their well being. We're not trying to take all, there's so many dogs out there for everybody. We're not trying to take all the dogs, but we're actually going, hey, this dog's not enjoying this. Let's refer it out.
1: I think when we work in this industry, it's really important to, you know, we have to look after ourselves. We have to to look after our business and we have to, you know, really remember that. But dogs don't communicate uh, verbally, they can't go home and tell the owners and family what happened
0: i had such a bad day today with bonnet
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's really important to remember that no matter what you're doing you're doing it for the welfare of the dog yeah and if the dog is showing signs of stress then that service isn't right for that dog so don't carry on doing it it's the only reason you're doing it was meant to be for the dog so just stop and give it to somebody else. Because, like, if we've got a dog that needs to run and we're keeping it on lead, we wouldn't be doing that dog the right service. Yeah. If the dog is struggling when it's off lead and barking and acting aggressively, you're giving it the wrong service. It's that simple. Yeah. But that's why we've got a support network of people that will do all different things and go, hey, look, this isn't this isn't for us. This isn't what we're good at. You're much better at this than us. Don't do that with this dog. There you go. And just... Look after the dog and the, the, the client probably just thinks, if you just take it along and take it along and take it along, the client's going to go, oh yeah, it's in the hands of a professional. They know what they're doing. Yeah. You're going to be a better, you know, we have got to be good professionals. we have got to be aware of that stuff.
0: Exactly. I have um, just one example of one of my dogs, Olive. I don't think you've met Olive. She's a Staffy, and she was walking with uh, Dave from Dogstar and yeah. he sent me a video and he goes, this is Olive on groups. She hates it. Like, can I refer you? I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. So, I walked Olive by herself for a while and now she's walking in pairs, like she's walking in groups. She just needed a little bit more one-on-one, a little bit more confidence building. And then now I've got her in pairs and, and she's loving it. So, yeah. and I always, you know, send Dave a photo and just like, look at Olive, like, and that's he's it. like, oh, I'm so happy. I was like, that's so nice. Like, it's so lovely.
1: That's it. And the walkers, like Becky and Dave, and there's many more, but we're not coming to the top of my head, but they're yeah. fantastic because... Yeah we go both ways we can refer and we can you know if it's not right for them then we take them and it's just nice to have that community
0: and work as a team too like we all work as a team which is great
1: anyway sorry we've uh, (laughs) diverted a little bit there tell us more um how old is so help me dog now
0: so help me dog is nearly three amazing i know so it's been a journey and i think i'm just about well, where I want it to be. I
1: mean, under yeah. over the last three years since you've reached out to me, what I've seen is a massive growth spurt in terms of your confidence, your understanding of behaviour, your ability to read the dogs, to communicate with clients, to run a business. Everything's just like on the upward trajectory, and it's really cool to see. You know, from stop
0: that... it! You're gonna make me cry. Wow. Well,
1: <laughs> You know, you've gone from that little um, quiet, nervous one that was walking dogs, scared to send an email. You did send the email, to be fair. But, um, you know, now you're teaching classes. You know, you're running puppy school. um, You're doing one-on-one consultations. And and the degree of difficulty of dogs that you're working with is getting greater and greater, and you're becoming more and more comfortable with that, which is really cool to see. And, you you know, when you come into... um, you know, I, I'm going to say our team, but you are 100% part of our team. Yeah. Because when you sit there, you provide so much feedback and valuable knowledge to the rest of my team, um, which is really cool. And, yeah, it's really nice to see.
0: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I think it sort of really hit me the other day when we were talking about one of your staff members, Jade, how she just started puppy school and how absolutely nervous she was at starting. And I was like, that was me. Yeah. And you were like... You have to run puppy school, go. And yeah. I was like, Oh my god, hey, I can't do well, this. Like that. No, it can't wasn't me. it wasn't kinda like that, sorry. I, I, mean, I dramatised that a little bit. Let's be fair. Like
1: back back then, um, you know, I had Joss and Iona teaching puppy school, didn't I? And um yeah. And you were so nervous that you wouldn't actually let me come in and teach you how to do it. That's
0: right. You, met,
1: you were like, I didn't want to stuff up. In I want front of you. <laughs> I want Joss. I want Joss to do it. Yeah. Because Joss was more vulnerable than, than me. And so you were more comfortable being around that. And that's great. I mean, that's never been a problem. We love Joss is a fantastic teacher herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I didn't quite just throw, no, I, I, hundred percent. I threw Joss in the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> he did actually,
0: <laughs> but no, it was kind of that push that I needed to to just you know do it for the first time um, because once you keep doing it over and over again, like now I sit in in puppy school and and help Jade and you. Are just you know what they're going to ask and you know what you're going to answer and, and that just comes with over time and, and teaching
1: that's right i mean like anything in this job you, you well any job really it's just repetition and over time mm-hmm. you start to become comfortable with the what's going to happen next you start to realize that you're solving a lot of the same problems and you're answered Your answer gets stronger and more developed and it's just the thought process that you end up having to, well, even not having to, but you subconsciously actually answer that question over and over again and more and more deeper. Um, And that's one thing that, you know, as a trainer, you're very good at and that's what I think my team are very good at is just because there is an answer that is current, that doesn't mean that's the final answer. We're always Mm -hmm. learning. Yeah. Um, You know, I know that I'm teaching different things than I was six months ago, let alone four years ago so that's really important you know and the information that we give out on this podcast is going to be present and current who knows though you know we're going to be also debunking a lot of crap from years and years ago there is still common perception um and i'm sure in a few years time there's going to be alterations to what we're teaching today so then that's okay that's just where we're at that's how information gets out there
0: we'll just have to keep updating the podcast Absolutely. But like, you know that episode seventeen? Yeah, scrap that whole thing. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's a, that's pretty much me. That's how I got started. So over to you. Tell us a little bit. how you, where it first started?
1: Where it all began. Where it all began. Um, one day. One day. <laughs> long, long time ago. Once upon a time. <laughs> Um, No, so mine's, uh, like I suppose everybody's story is different. Um, I did not grow up with dogs in my family. My mum is extremely, uh, well, she told me she's allergic. Ah, that old chestnut. Yeah, yeah. and actually it was in hindsight, looking back, it was dad that told me mum was allergic. So, well, there might be a degree of truth to that. She's a bit asthmatic, but you know. And actually, as a dog trainer, I'm allergic so if I get a, a nick from a claw or teeth, I get a, I come up in a, like a bumps oh, wow. in my arm. So. I didn't know that. Um, but I, my nan and granddad had dogs, um, and big German shepherds. They were they were awesome. Um, but uh, my first dog was Lola, a little spaniel. Well, not a little. She was a spaniel. We think maybe some pointer in there as well. We got her from me and an ex partner got her from a rescue group, Wood Green Animal Shelter in England at seven months old, and she was batshit crazy. (laughs) Um, Beautiful dog, but um, really friendly, loved people, loved dogs, loved every animal going, but never stopped moving Ah. ever and had extreme separation issues. Um, You know, we tried, I tried for three years, um, just like, you know, thinking I knew what I was doing. I would we'd leave her in a part of the house. And what I realized was well, she was figure out to board, pull door handles down. She was super smart. Um, and she'd get into a room and destroy everything in that room. And she cost me <laughs> had thousands. A, had a great day. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she destroyed <laughs>
0: everything.
1: <laughs> she, yeah, it was better than mine when I got home. I know that. Um, and I, th- I was like, I'm smarter than you. I'll turn the door handles upside down. She figured out to push them up. I'm like, I'm smarter than you. I'll put roll handles on. She figured out how to roll them. I'm like, I'm smarter than you. I'll take her to work. And she figured out to open my van. And one day I'm on the building site, because back home in England, I was an electrician. Oh yeah. And um, I was uh, just, I was literally just chasing in some sockets into the wall. Um, and the dog just appeared next to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? And so I looked at looked around the site and I was like, guys, who let the dog out of the van? No one. She'd figured it out, We'd put the camera in there. and Sure enough, she's what? opening doors. And so at this point I'm like, I need to train my dog. <laughs>
0: I mean, my dog can open doors, someone help me She's clearly
1: smarter than me um, So I went back to the rescue and I started just um, learning about things And just asking questions and you know picking up shit and volunteering and things like that So started getting a real interest in it And then as I got more interested in it, uh, my friends started asking me Because Lola started to really turn it around And became this really beautiful easy dog um, And all of my friends started asking me if I could help yeah. And uh, I started just enjoying it and actually helping people help their dogs. And I learned that really quickly. As much as I enjoyed dog training, I really enjoyed helping people help their dogs. Yeah. I love people. Um, I love dogs, but I actually really love people and, and problem solving. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I even moved into a friend's house for a week. My mate Chunk really? and his uh, new fiance. Sorry, hang
0: on. Your mate what?
1: Oh, yeah, Chunk. So okay, so we've got a big friends group back home, and this kid when he he moved to our school um, from a different area of England um, and sat down in our form room uh, for for registration, and he sat on the other side of the room, and I was like, oh come on mate, I went over and sat next to him, walked up and was like, hello mate, my name's Ian, do you wanna what's your name? He just looked at me and went, chunk. I'm like okay. <laughs> um, Come and join us, and no, he's been a really bloody good mate ever since. Nicknames Michael, but I was going to say. He, but I remember the first time I knocked on his door. You know, when you're kids and you knock on the door, you mm. come. Is he coming out? And uh, his dad answered the door. And I was like, "Hi," being polite because it's parents. I was like, "Hey, is Michael in?" He turned around, and went, "Chunk, your friends are here." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's chunk. <laughs> so, Literally, it's chunk. You know, it's uh, what's. Christ, this is 17, 18 years later, and he's still Chunk. So, <laughs> so, yeah, went into Chunk's house and ended up, I actually said to them, I remember the words I said, I was like, I do not know what I'm doing, but I know what I've done with Lola Works. Copy me. And his dog was chewing through drywall and all kinds of things. And Hugo is still alive today. He's a legend. Um, and we got on top of it, you know. We, we It took a while, but like I actually lived with him for a week, and I was like, hey, try this, try this, try this. Um and it was fun. I carried on being an electrician, carried on working with dogs every now and then, just helping friends, but I just like I was I had barbecues every weekend when all my mates bring the dogs. It's just really nice to have them around. I started really enjoying it. And when I left England I said to myself, I never want to work as an electrician again. I really enjoy working with dogs. This is what I'm gonna go and do and I was bloody minded. I remember I said to my friend Vikas it's like, I am going to go and train dogs. I'm gonna go and tra- set up a dog training company. And um he, he's a, he's one of these guys, he's a legend. He just looked at me and went, good on you, mate. Because I reckon a lot of people back home, they would just laugh me out the door. And um, so I left um, Backpacked Australia. And uh, when while I was backpacking, I went and worked with as many dog trainers as I could, shadowing them. In Perth, I worked in Shenton Park Dog Refuge um, and met some amazing trainers, Tracy Lord and Beth Hawking and Lee, I can't remember a second name. But they were great. They were really good mentors to me. Um, and Tracy is the one that said there's only one thing that two dog trainers agree on; <laughs> the third one's wrong. Um, and um, yeah, they, they were really good influences on me. And then when I moved to Sydney, got a labouring job, and on the Friday they said, "Yeah, sorry, mate, you're um, we've got no work for you on the Monday." Oh no! So in, I had 240 odd dollars in my life, and instead of paying rent, I bought business cards and went round all the Bondi and put business cards in, and set up Bondi Behaviourist. Um, and I just t- dipped my toe in the market. I was still backpacking really, but I was just like, have a look. Um, and then I started doing the odd job, forced to move home to England, cause my visa ran out. And then while I was away, I started studying. Um, and then when I came back, I was like, I'm just gonna give it a red hot go. I got given some really fortunate circumstances. One of my old clients um, let me house sit and dog sit for for 10 months. So it meant I had 10 months of rent free and a car but without that and without that I'd have been absolutely screwed. Um and still to this day that dog is was the craziest dog that I've ever worked with. Oh my um, gosh, tell me. Well Jack the Jack the cattle dog um he would bite on is is he had a fight response to everybody and everything he saw. Mm. Um if he was in the house um Alone, or even, to be honest, when the owner was there before I I moved in, he spent every living minute hiding underneath the desk upstairs in the office. And that was his only safe place in his life. Um, And when he came out of that, he was in a fight response. Um, And we're going to go into aggression there in the future, but at the end of the day, this dog was extremely stressed. When I moved, like I said, when I moved in, he was in that frame of mind. By the time I moved out, he was... And we were able to have him um, milling around the house like a puppy when it was just me and my partner. He, he was a beautiful nature dog in the end. Like, when, he, when you make him feel safe and comfortable, and we'll go into this in the future as well, but when you make them feel safe and comfortable, they are fantastic. Um when we had guests over, he had a safe place. We put him in the crate. He had something to chew. And he. Was, I mean, we could never really have guests over um, and him roaming around. He was, was a danger to himself and others um and if we took him for a walk he was on muzzle on lead but at the same time he was happy you know that was his life it wasn't a big life it wasn't expansive but my goal was to give him a world that he felt safe in yeah um and i really learned a lot about you know um respecting the individual dog in in doing this because there is no right way to own a dog yeah um you listen to the dog if he communicates this is stressful then that's not for us to say it's not and this dog isn't not just communicating this is stressful he's having a panic attack so we had to make his words more. um but sure enough like when his owner gets back a <laughs> lovely bloke still a mate but um he goes oh yeah just just give him a run mate I'm like no don't don't run him he's like no no i think he needs a run I'm like, don't don't run him Took him to Centennial Park, off lead, off muzzle, and whipping the ball around. And sure enough, 200 metres away, Ranger's car comes on, which turns its purple lights on. And Jack tears off. Starts biting the Ranger, um, and biting the tyres of the car. And I think the Ranger got bit six times, and that was the end of Jack. That, that That was his second from last day, I think. Um, and I was, you know, I went to the vets with him and with the owner, and really sad day. Um... Still, still shit to be honest, still to this day. But, um, what well, it got that, like I say, anyway, that circumstance taught me a lot. Yeah. allowed me to set up my business properly, formally. And, um, along the way now, I mean, that was over four years ago, um, in Sydney. And, uh, we have grown and grown and grown. I've met some amazing people on the way. I work with vets all over Australia now. Um, and I've got a fantastic team. Um, Jocelyn and Joe, Iona, yourself, Jade now, and Jen, and, and probably more, you know, as, as time goes on. Um, and it's, they're just fantastic people. They're all really cool dog trainers, but at the end of the day, they're passionate. And, uh, I believe that anybody that gets into this industry, um, uh, does it out of love, not out of money. There's not a heap of money in it, but they're passionate about something. And so my goal with my team is to figure out what they're passionate about and, and give them a role that allows them to live what they're passionate about. Nobody want, not everybody wants to own a company and run a company. And there's a lot of positions, a lot of people in this industry that it's scary to go and work with dogs because there's not enough um, opportunities out there without running your own company. That's, that's what I actually wanted to do for my team originally. It wasn't to uh, grow my business or anything like that. I just met people that I was passionate about and they were passionate about something. I'm one of them in my life yeah and um they're pretty cool yeah they're good they're good people um and as a, and i love as well i love teaching so i love being in that position where you know if i learn something i want to share that information and having a team around me has been my biggest asset in growing my education i go out and i go and learn from other trainers still and i go and learn from veterinary behaviorists and specialists in behavior i've got some amazing mentors that when you receive the information, that's only part of it. Then you've got to reflect on it. And then the conversation that we have in our group is, I think is the most valuable asset because it allows us to share an opinion, get a difference in opinion and grow in our knowledge. Um, and what things that I've seen over the years, and this is what's culminated in creating this at this point is because um, there are common trends now that I'm witnessing all the time, you know, in dog ownership and you know like i said earlier i love dogs but i love people and at the end of the day it is dog ownership that i'm trying to help not dogs as much like as in like as a, dogs is one part only one facet of that but without um you know we, we're the ones that choose to bring them in our lives and our understanding and our education on it is what can really change everything you know um we get dogs in our lives to make ourselves and them happy with are pet dogs now we're not, yeah. I don't work with working dogs as in yeah, like neither. working them. Um, so I'm on my, well, as far as I'm concerned, when you're, the only way you can do dog ownership wrong is if you consistently do something that makes you or your dog stressful without trying to make it better. Yeah. And that doesn't involve punishment. I mean, it's stupid punishing them and we'll go into that in the future as well. But it's, um... There's no point in living a stress, stressful life with your dog if you don't have to. And there is nobody holding a gun to your head saying you must do anything. There's no rules. There's no handbook. Um,
0: I think that's the most difficult thing, too. Everyone's looking for this dog training handbook or dog owning handbook. And there is none. You yeah. know, you, every dog's different. Every dog's an individual. And you have to look at the dog and go, okay, what's best for this particular dog?
1: That's right. When you, I mean, we we'll um, one of the things we'll talk about in, in a lot of depth in the future is like, understand what you want from your dog. And it's okay to want what you want from your dog. Um, my dog serves a very specific role in my life. He is my chill out buddy. And I don't want a dog that runs around. I, I loved Lola. But Christ, she was hard work for me. Because yeah. I've as, my tolerance level of that was low. Now, I didn't get to choose that, my tolerance. I didn't get to choose my tolerance level. So nowadays, I've got a really low, uh, low energy dog. That Very sits in, low energy. He's, <laughs> on, he's actually on herbs to boost his energy. Um, but he sits with me in pubs and cafes and comes to my friends' houses and sits on the sofa with me. He is my dream dog because I was actually conscious of what I wanted before I got him. Yeah. The other side of dog ownership is listen to your dog. If he's communicating, he's stressful. Again, I don't get to choose my tolerance levels as much as your dog doesn't get to choose theirs, and if we ignore that, you are going to set your dog up to fail, and then nobody wins. So, a lot of this, um, a lot of these training methods that we're trying to teach is about being proactive. I think there is a lot of dog trainers out there that we, I mean, look, a lot of people contact dog trainers when it's going badly. Nobody calls us when it's going well, and that, that I've been saying for a long time, but that is my goal to change that because if we can look at health proactively and as preventative care i think we'd put ourselves out the job but the world would be a better place
0: yeah definitely and i just want to touch back to on um sort of when you first get into this industry i think what you were saying about um people how you love people as well when i first started you know i thought dog training was sit stay come yeah (laughs) you know and it's totally not that and A lot of people get into this industry thinking you know i get to play with all these dogs and i get to do this and do that with all the dogs but it's actually you're dealing with people and Mm. you need to have great communication skills with the people and as well as the dogs but you're communicating with the people on how to understand their dog which i think that's a really really important point for everybody um
1: you need that empathy towards their situation yeah you need to be a good dog trainer to be able to communicate with the dogs and you need to be able to communicate what you're doing to the person. And so one of the one of the key things I think with dog training is, I always say, again, I've been saying a lot of the same things for years and that's why I love this podcast because I get to get it out there. Um, my job as a dog trainer is to come in, assess and start at the beginning. Now the dog will have a certain tolerance level and cope and, you know, where it can go and how it can communicate. So does the person. And my job is to flood neither of them. Yeah. If I put either of them under stress, I will set them up to fail. And mm-hmm. if I say, hey, just because the dog's really good at it, if the person is freaked out by a situation, then we build their tolerance up gradually. That That's just being, I think, just being a good teacher um, is going, okay, there's actually more than one dynamic here. It's like asking the whole class of children um, to be able to, here's your maths, here's your maths equation. I'm not going to help either of you. Uh, any of you, any more than the other. Of course, some people are going to have different questions at s- yeah, different times. different and abilities. So you problem solve and um, it doesn't move linearly. Everything changes. I mean, you can't guarantee behavior. I yeah. can't guarantee mine. I can't guarantee your dog's. Sorry, I'd love to, but can't. Um, and real life happens and it's teaching people the coping mechanisms to this.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great point. So I think the other thing is a lot of people think our job is easy and we get to play with dogs and play with puppies and all that, which we do, but you know, (laughs) it's actually really draining for us emotionally, especially when you have a dog that, you know, has anxiety or has aggression, it's hard for the owner. And then they're putting that emotion on you as well. And and especially like we do a lot of walking trains as well. And you have to be on, for that walk and train for that hour if that dog has reactivity issues against dogs and people you have to be totally on for that whole hour and it, it can be really mentally draining
1: absolutely it's, it's exhausting and i and i only consult now uh three or four days a week because i know i'm working on the business the rest of it but that's because actually consulting is the hardest part of my job to this day yeah um it's emotionally draining and this i mean you know this is something we're going to I'll put out there on this episode because one of the things that we really want to focus on is like the health It's called the healthy dog pot for a reason. Yeah. And owning a dog with problem issues, problem behaviors or unwanted behaviors is, um, is extremely stressful and it brings around a culture of, we've got to correct the problem, which brings around more stress. And that's why the proactive approach and the slow everything down calmly and teach a dog how to settle rather than correct is, I think, essential. Uh, we've I've, Over the last, I don't know how many years now, I'm not going to put a number out there, but we're seeing stress normalised in dogs. Mm. Mental health is a very new thing in human acceptance, I suppose, in our society. Um, and what we're only just really aw- becoming aware of is that it affects dogs and animals and their health. You know, the the things like uh, actually looking after it will prolong their life. It will reduce ailments like cancer if we reduce stress. Um, And this can genuinely help people, because dogs are in their lives every single day, um, reduce the stress on the people, which reduces the stress on the dogs. And looking after the physical is easy. Everybody (laughs) knows how to run their dog. And, And to be honest, actually, I say that, they probably don't because there's a lot of... Joint problems out there, and there is a lot of adrenaline out there, and we, you know that's a whole other issue. But nobody really knows how to look after the mental health of their dog, and um, we have this culture of uh, you know where we think dogs are these happy-go-lucky beings um, when they're not. Survival is their baseline, not happiness. So if we get them feeling safe and comfortable, we will actually prevent problem behaviours because most problem behaviours are driven by stress, fear, and anxiety. And um, You know, there's so many ways to stay on top of that preventively, like, and being reactive means it's already been stressed. Yeah. So if we can get that information out there, it's going to hopefully change everything.
0: I think that's a really important point that you said. There's not one particular way. Like, you have to look at the dog and there's a variety of options to do. I think some people think that this is it. We'll do this option. This will work. It's like, you can try that option. That might not work for your particular dog. Maybe you guys have to try this or maybe you have to try this option. Maybe you have to try this option.
1: This is why I can't wait to have guests in because yeah. we, we know um, we've obviously got our approach approaches. Yeah. Um, and yet there are so many out there that are working, people that are doing fantastic work. And uh, to get them in and to share their wealth of experience and knowledge uh, is going to be amazing because, um, you know, it gives people an opportunity to go, do you know what? I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And Yeah, exactly. You know, um, a lot of the people we get in initially are going to be in Sydney based but um, the information we put out there isn't, isn't just uh, for Sydney, obviously. Um, we, we plan on getting people in from all around the country um
0: the world the world
1: (laughs) um that would be fantastic wouldn't it yeah um so yeah it's really cool to just get different sets of information out there i'm sure i'm gonna learn heaps from these people as well
0: where and the other thing is we're always learning your dog's always learning but we're also learning too and we're trying to give you guys the most up-to-date information
1: absolutely so i mean we'll wrap that up for today and thank you so much everybody for listening this has been like our first episode we're super excited we'd love your feedback if you can share it on social media and get this out to as many people as possible this is a shameless pug plug and pug. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> this is a shameless pug
1: P- Pugs are shameless look at them they have no guilt on their face look at them they hold no they, they will steal your cheese sandwich in a heartbeat and not care I love them love pugs Aww. The... I'm going to image now that that image on the pug on the rocking horse. I'm going to put it up. I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll also put up like heaps of links under um, all the episodes as well. So That's take a look pug. at them. The pug.
1: <laughs> 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 no, thank you so much, guys. Thank um, you. Can't wait. Tune in. Tune in to our next episode. And uh, remember, a healthy dog's a happy dog.
0: Well, and that was the pug the Healthy Dog Podcast.